All right. Well, sister friends, let's go to our Bibles. And uh, we are going to talk today about how awesome God is. And I just need to find my notes because you know how that is when you're like, wait a second, where did I write this? Okay, I found it. <laughs> so my title today is Miraculous God, Miraculous People. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We know that God is the God of miracles. We know that God has a plan. And the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 3, commit your plans to the Lord and they will succeed. So insinuation, have a plan, right? How does that work out for us when we don't have a plan? Moms in the group, when you don't have a plan for your kids, what happens? Chaos. When you don't have a plan for your meals, when you don't have a plan at work, for the project you're overseeing or participating with. When you don't have a plan as a household, it's so good to see Melanie! Yes! When we fail to plan, plan we? Okay. So God's plan is to love him and to love people. And in doing so, guys, it's that love that we foster, that pours into us, depending on how much we tap into God. That's my responsibility, right? You got the power, baby, to choose life over death. So as much as we allow God to pour into us, to wash our mind, to renew our mind, to encourage us, to comfort us, to take our worry and our anxiety, so we're made available to pour into our husbands, our boyfriends, Tia, isn't it great to have Tia Wells in the house? Yes, she, her awesome boyfriend is Mr. Melvin Williams. So yay, to pour into our roommates, our children, our, 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 our sister friends, and then into the people, the family members, the coworkers, the co-students that don't know the way of truth yet. But think about it, when we're not plugging into the source, what do we have to give? Little to nothing. And that, my sister friends, is where the devil does his best work. When we're not plugged into that source of faith, hope, and love, and we allow our thinking to become stinking, okay? And it's one thing to think stinking thinking. We will all do that because we're human. It's understandable to get an attitude. But to stay in a bad attitude, to entertain and grow and ruminate on the negative fear zone, that, my friend, is a choice. And it's a bad choice. And when we choose to stay in that series of bad choices, oh, we become a heyday for Satan to do a great work of destruction in our minds, our hearts, and our relationships. And we become not very useful to the master, right? If I'm navel-gazing so badly, first of all, I'm going to be bumping into every wall, tripping over myself, back in the darkness. Second to that, who am I inspiring? I really want to lift up our sister friend, Amy Goins, okay? As you guys know, two years ago, I was somewhat in her shoes with Chris in the hospital, the same hospital that Chaz is in right now. And I know as a wife that, yes, Chaz is the one who has blood clots in his lungs that preferably they removed today, but the doctors don't know what's wrong with him, but something is very wrong with him. But Amy is the two become one wife 
that gets to participate in the heaviness and the sadness and the fear and the pain and the, the, the draining schedule of not only being there for her husband emotionally, mentally, but to take care of two babies, okay? A four-month-old, a six-month-old, and is she six months? Yes, July baby, five months old, okay? And a three-year-old, and we know three-year-olds are very busy, okay? And six months old are very needy, okay? So I just want to say, Amy, you are a beacon of faith and inspiration and hope to me personally because I do feel your pain in many ways, and you're only a new Christian. Amy and Chaz were only baptized two and three and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Yes, 2020, yeah. right after Taylor, right before Taylor. Are you on the 31st after? Okay. <laughs> So um, isn't that amazing? But God promises he doesn't give us more than we can handle. So yes, we're praying for Chaz's recovery, but we're always asking, sisters, what am I learning in the trials, the pressures that God has put in my life? Not why is this happening to me? Okay, that's the world. Any idiot can get bitter. Any fool can stay in faithlessness and unforgiveness and unbelief. Okay, welcome to the world of which the devil is the prince. But the woman of God stops, drops, and prays. Stops, drops, and renews her mind. Stop, drops, and lands in the love zone and gets on up and shows up, and Amy will be one of our preachers today because she's using no excuses. So thank you for that, Amy. God is a God of miracles. So in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, we see the Bible describing Jesus as what we see is God himself, right? In verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And then verse 17, it says, he is before all things. And in him, in who? In him. And who's him? Jesus. In Jesus, all things hold together. Sisters, are you together today, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, right? Now, again, don't get me wrong. This is not just a one and done, okay? It's an everyday, all-day decision that we work for, we fight for, we wrestle for, right? But it's attainable. If you stay in him, connected to Jesus, how connected are you today? And then it says, in him all things hold together. And... In verse 18, he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. Who leads God's church, sisters? Yes, Jesus leads his church. So when my husband wakes up and he is stuck because he's been on four weeks of antibiotics because he's still fighting a raging UTI, which is like the 20th that he's gone through, and he's sweating, and he can't move because he has huge bowel issues, and he has to miss the winter workshop this morning. Jesus is still leading the church. And I'm so proud of the brothers, Alfonso, Earl, Parker. They just rose on up with two warriors down, Chris and Chaz. And they took the bull by the horns, and the men had an awesome winter workshop, right? Because Jesus leads the church. We're not following some man. We're not following some woman. We're following Jesus. And we're all in the same boat, helping each other get to heaven boat, okay? 
So let's be in the boat, let's stay in the boat, let's row the boat, and let's help many more people be in the boat. Amen? So Jesus is the head of the body, the church. The church is essential for Christianity, folks. You cannot be a Christian, a disciple, and not be attached to the body of believers. How do you attach yourself? Through the light, through repentance and becoming a disciple, getting baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, receiving the Holy Spirit, and being devoted. That's why you're here today. You are devoted, and God is pleased with you. God is proud of you. You should feel encouraged to know that you get to. You don't have to. You don't have to do nothing, okay, but die. But you get to. Why? Because you have God's spirit in you. And I hope you remember that and cherish that, right? So do you think that Satan is aware of God's plan to have Jesus lead the church, die for the church, save us, and then evangelize the world using the church as the vehicle to preach the word. Do you think Satan knows that plan? Yes, he does. Let's go and look at Revelation chapter 12. Okay, Satan is way smarter than us, way stronger than us. He gets up earlier than us, stays up later than us, and devises a plan every day on how to push the right button to get you stuck to get you going backwards, to get you to lose your devotion and eventually your salvation. Are you with me? In verse 7 of chapter 12, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom, the people of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accusers, who's Satan, of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed, they being the disciples, they being us. We triumph over him. How? By the blood of the lamb, my sister friends. If we're not in touch with the blood of the lamb, we've got nothing. By the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you, to us. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. If that doesn't send shudders down your spine, then I don't know where you are, okay? Because the demonic battle is real. Satan hates that Jesus died and rose triumphantly and conquered death, and now we get to be a part of the new covenant. And once you make that commitment, that devotion to give up everything and become a true disciple and devote your heart, mind, and soul to loving God and loving people, you know what happens? You get a big, huge target on your back, 
and he hates you and he hates your children and he hates everything about you. And so make no mistake, Satan knows God's plan to evangelize the world through his church and he is about opposing us. Okay? So the battle is real. 2 Timothy chapter 3. You know, I love the challenge uh, that I like to give myself every year, and I'm going to pass it along to you, my fabulous, awesome familia, sister friends, and that is to read the whole Bible every single year. I know there's some in the room here who are reading it in like three months. So, wow, you're an extra superstar. Amen. The more Bible you read, the more faith you get, right? Romans 10, 17 says faith comes through reading the good news about Jesus, right? But when you read the Bible, even in, in terms of its totality, and now I'm reading it in chronological order, which is another whole big re revelation. It's so powerful to see how the Bible fits together. But if you read the, the letters that Apostle Paul, who was responsible through the Holy Spirit for penning most of the New Testament, all of the churches, all of the epistles written to the different churches, whether it was Philippi or Thessalonica or, or um, Rome, all of these different disciple churches, they were warned about false teachings. People who would come in and deceive. Brothers that would rise up, and I'm sure some sisters, and be the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? So make no mistake, Satan has a plan and persecution is real. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 12, God says, in fact, if God says it's a fact, is it a fact? Okay, this is a fact. It is going to happen. It's not if or maybe. In fact, everyone, does that include any, exclude anyone? Everyone, that includes me, you, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Sister friends, do you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? Okay, well, what does it say then? We'll be persecuted. <laughs> okay, now, paper that does not look too attractive or encouraging. However, we know the promises of God that he will not give us more than we can handle, that we can take captive every thought and make it obedient, and that he will always provide a way out. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. You need to know your promises, sister friends. You need to have them as an arsenal in your mind so that when those attacks happen, you are quick to draw your weapon, because the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God as we take captive all that stinking thinking. We expose it. We're honest. If you're not honest with what you're really thinking, sisters, then you are so far out there, okay? And I've been there. It's hard to confess your worst thoughts, right? I was remembering a time when I was like, you know what? I don't even care if this person dies. That is an embarrassing, horrible, wicked thought, right? And that person's not in this room, okay? Just in case you get insecure. <laughs> I'm the one that needs to be trembling in my boots for that thought, right? But you know what? I'm not going to condemn myself when I think something because I'm not going to stay in that filthy, horrible, unloving zone. Okay, I'm going to confess that thought to God and my sister friends, and I'm going to take it captive, and I'm going to make it obedient by choosing to be grateful, by choosing to see the good in even the most obnoxious, 
uncaring, unloving person that I know, okay? Set boundaries so that you don't carry their load. And then you're able to love them with the love of God. You're able to dig down deep and find that Holy Spirit power and bring it. And be gentle when everything in you wants to be loud and mean and Jezebelish, okay? And you choose to be gentle. And I was confessing to Amy today that when my husband was having this huge problem, I was like, no, let me in. I need my shoes. <laughs> I mean, I was, it was a situation where I could have been more gentle in my voice. Now, I did apologize right away. But, you know, just because somebody's having a hard time and they might not be as kind, does not give me a license to be unkind back. Right? right? So, again, apology. Catching yourself quickly. Growing. Being open with your sin. This is where Jesus works, sisters. This is how you see the miracles, the tiny little miracles day to day. You know, I appreciate our sister Linda. I'm not sure why she's not here. She's probably on her way. Anyway, she's got a big work issue. But, um... Linda is awesome, and as you guys all know, she was restored recently, and she's been a disciple for three decades plus, going on 33 years in March, which is amazing. And um, she was telling me, you know, on Wednesday at First Principles, aren't we enjoying our First Principles class? Yes, I appreciate you guys prioritizing that, sisters. Why? Because we need to teach and train and encourage each other, right? Solidify unify, multiply. That's what we have to keep doing if we're going to keep our convictions and, and our stand against the devil what it needs to be, right? So her nephew, his name is Johnny, him and his wife came to church. They live in, out of state. I forget where. I think Virginia. Anyway, they came to visit us last year, and they loved service. Currently, we don't have a church of disciples in that town right now. Long story short, Johnny wanted to FaceTime into First Principles. So Linda got her tires, you know, she got there early, like all disciples should, sat in the front row, right? Come on up, no denominational seating for us. And she got her phone, and she was like almost in tears when the guy, you know how Chris chose a pretend guy to study with, and what was his name? Johnny! <laughs> so, you know, to you and I, that might not mean anything. But when you notice, when you walk with God and you notice those small little miracles and how God encourages us, guess what happens? You get encouraged. You see God tangibly show up in your life, in every relationship, in your hardship, in your trial, in your grieving. You know, our dear sister Tia just lost her mother less than two months ago. And Tia, we're so sorry. Our hearts go out to you because... We only have one mom, and I know you're very close to your mom, and I can't even imagine how sad you are now and how you're wrestling because grieving is a process. And I'm just so encouraged by you because you show up with a smile on your face, and you keep your devotion to God, and you didn't cancel your plans, and you have been a stellar example of somebody who's hurting but shining because you are a bright light for God. And Tia was baptized in the mighty UCF ministry. Yes. So she's one of our OGs from Orlando. So it's so incredible to have you back. And thank you for inspiring us. And guys, please be praying for Tia. And those of you who can relate, I know Kinji lost her mom very suddenly and unexpectedly not too long ago. 
it's a, it's a big hurt, it's a big pain, it's a big wound, but we get to share that burden with each other and help each other, right? But only if we're aware of the devil's schemes and we're on the offense, right? We're not just playing defense, okay? Defense, yes, there's a plan for it, but we are moving forward. We are about forceful advancement, personally in our own lives and hearts and as collective church. We are about evangelizing the world in our generation. Are you with me, church? Amen. So we need deep convictions. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. So after it says we're going to be persecuted, amen, in verse 13, we pick it up here and it says, while evildoers, okay, those are the people controlled by the devil, evildoers and imposters. What is an imposter? Somebody who shows up when they're not welcome and they do damage, okay? We'll go from bad to worse. Deceiving and being deceived. Sisters, if you're being deceived, do you know it? No, right? So they're in a trance. They're in a scheme. They're in a plot from the devil because they have not managed their mind and are not renewing their mind in some way, shape, or form. But look at what Paul says in verse 14. But as for you, Orlando sister friend, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. Okay, and those of you who are baptized disciples have studied the Bible and changed. You know those through whom you have learned the scriptures. I'm so proud of Janice and her awesome sister friends, Nancy, Christina, Monse, and Miss Yvonne. And how much we love Miss Yvonne. Yes, and how much these sisters serve each other and bring each other soup and pray with each other and go over and do quiet times together and help each other when you need groceries, etc., etc. And there are many more. Those of us who have participated in bringing meals for Amy and Chaz, thank you so much, Sheena, for coordinating that, guys. And I want to say that it shouldn't always be the same sister friends volunteering to do this job. Amen? We're all capable. We're all eating every day, and we can all participate, okay? So I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just asking you to reach out to Sheena and say, how, how can I help? These are my limitations. This is what I do have. This is what I can't have or don't have, right? But there's a way when we work together and don't give way to fear where we can meet the needs, and it is edifying to every single member. Amen? So it's not just going to be Sheena who takes on that role to help provide meals and encouragement to people that are in a crisis. It's all of us, okay? That's when the load is not too, too heavy and we all benefit and our sister friends and brother friends feel loved and encouraged. Right. Amen? Yes. Awesome. Are you sure you can give me an amen on that one? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Okay, sisters, we need deep convictions, and we need to keep working on our deep convictions. Recently, last month, there was an article, a persecution article posted in the Rolling Stones magazine, really persecuting the International Churches of Christ, which is the church that our church was born out of, and loosely persecuting us as well. And so we get to face persecution head on because we know it's coming, and the Bible gives us directive as to how we should handle persecution. Right? With faith. 
So I want to review some of the five core convictions based on the greatest commandments so that we can make sure we understand and that we don't get deceived by some of these accusations that have been made about our church. Amen? Um, Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. The first one is we are a Bible church, not simply a New Testament church. Okay, see how deceiving that might, that might come across if you don't know the scriptures? Oh, New Testament church. Well, that sounds great. Jesus is in the New Testament. Yes. However, Jesus quoted many scriptures from the Old Testament, yeah. right? So there's a place for the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we are a Bible church, not just a New Testament church. Believe it or not, guys, there are many institutions that call themselves churches that stand on this conviction. That's just not biblically sound okay um so we did read second timothy three but let's just pick it up i want to read it from we're still there second timothy three fourteen through seventeen and kenji can you stand up and read that please second timothy three fourteen through sixteen through seventeen through seventeen okay it says Oh, you mean 2nd Timothy? 2nd Timothy. Oh, okay. 2nd Timothy 3. So we already read the last verse, and we're going to go through 17. Okay, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the Bible says all scripture, right? And when, when Paul was penning this passage, the, the New Testament wasn't even completely done. The Bible wasn't even canonized yet, right, as we know it today. So really he was referring to the Old Testament. So we see here that absolutely Jesus is in the New Testament the good news about Jesus though prophesied in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament and so sisters we are a Bible church let's look at one more scripture about this in Colossians chapter 2 Colossians chapter 2 and I'm looking for a reader Colossians chapter 2 Daphne thank you Colossians 2 13 through 14 When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailed it to the cross. Amen. So we see here, sisters, we answer the Bible with the Bible. How were your sins forgiven in the Old Testament? Who can tell me? Animal sacrifice, right? So somebody could bring that scripture to you and say, look, why aren't we sacrificing Coco the dog? Okay, we're not sacrificing Coco. That used to have to be my dog. (laughs) Because in the New Testament, the Bible answers the Bible with the Bible, and we see now that Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice, right? We see in Hebrews 9.22 that blood has to flow for sins to be forgiven, and that Jesus was the only perfect human who walked this planet, thus qualified for that role, and is therefore our sacrifice before Jesus that gives us access to him. 
right? So once again, it's the Old Testament with the New Testament as we answer the Bible with the Bible. Amen. Are we clear on that, sisters? So the first point is we are a Bible church, not just a New Testament church. The second point is be silent where the Bible speaks and speak where the Bible is silent. Let me explain. Go to Genesis 2, verse 19. When it says be silent when the Bible speaks, God says do not commit adultery. Everybody know that from the Ten Commandments? So if I came to Taylor and I was like, Taylor, I'm having these thoughts and I'm thinking about going to commit adultery tonight, what would you advise? (laughs) Amen. Okay. Hello. It shouldn't even be a discussion because the Bible speaks and it's a no. It's a sin. Don't do it. Understand? There's no discussion. There's no loophole. There's no exception to that command. Is that clear? However, there are many things the Bible does not speak on. For instance, the Bible does not say, Orlando sisters, meet at the Hilton from 3 to 5 for your winter workshop on January 7th. Does not say. That is disputable. You see what I'm saying? So we have the privilege and the responsibility to be creative in how we do church in a lot of ways. Okay? So in uh, Genesis 2, Taylor, can you be my reader, please? Verse 19 only. Thank you. Perfect. I need you to be ready to read. So I'm going to pick on any one of you. So be ready, okay? You guys are my helpers. Verse 19. Thank you so much. It says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So look at that. Adam is responsible for an elephant being called an elephant, for an antelope being an antelope, and for a little spider that I don't like too much to be called a spider, okay? So God didn't micromanage him. He said, use your creativity, be free, and so it was. And so likewise, we're able to practice that freedom in where we meet, when we meet, how we meet. Sisters, we don't have to have a stained glass building to be a church because we don't go to church. We are the church, okay? That's why meeting here together is where the spirit is, where where we are gathered, amen? With Bible talks, right? We're getting ready to have a few changes in our Bible talks. Hopefully everybody's been noted because now as we grow the church to the next level because we've reached 100 for the Lord, amen? We're taking a 200 for the Lord. In order to do that, we're going to go into regions. Okay, what does that mean? A region is basically a group of two or three Bible talks, okay? And so once a month, the last Sunday of every month, we're going to meet in house church by regions. Isn't that exciting? And I'm so excited to announce that Amy and Chaz are going to be our West Region leaders. And in their region, they're going to have Alon and Giovanni. Yay! And they're going to have Letitia and Fred Dejean. And on the, at the end of each month, these three Bible talks are going to get together and have house church. You guys are going to prayer, prayer the lesson, bring the friends, bring the food, bring everything, the heat, and most of all, the love. And you're going to evangelize West Orlando. Amen? I'm so excited to announce that 
Janice and Earl are going to be our South Region leaders. Okay, I'm so proud of Janice. Guys, many of you know that she has a non-Christian husband. Her husband fell away 30 years ago and has not come back to God. But this woman is sold out. She does not make excuses, even though she has some health problems. She does not be late, even though she works night shift and sometimes barely gets any sleep. She does not compromise in her convictions to give to God first financially of her time, of her energy, and of her whole heart. And you are to be commended, Janice. And God is calling you to this position in being a region leader for the women of the South region. So we are very excited for you. And in her region, she'll have her Bible talk, Kiji and Alfonso Davis's Bible talk, as well as Laquita and Earl that lead the Thursday Bible Talk. So that's going to be an amazing region. And then we have the East Region. Yes. And that is going to be powerfully led by India and Parker. You might ask, is that only going to be campus? No. It's going to be mostly campus. But Tia and Melvin are going to be in that Bible Talk. Chris and Karen McDonough are going to be in that region. Chris and I are going to be in that region, and we are going to evangelize East Orlando, okay? Now, can you notice there's a region missing? North, okay? That's a region we got to have vision for for 2023, okay? Julia needs some more people in Sanford. Penny needs some people closer to Inverness, okay? So imagine what God can do and will do if we make ourselves available, Okay, so that's how we have freedom to make regions, to have Bible talks, to be creative in our Bible talks. So guys, bring your ideas to the table. Have fun. Confess your sin quickly so you're not burdened and distracted. Are you with me right here? Okay, number three, conviction. We're almost there. We only have five. Discipling is a command of God and not optional. Okay, guys, Matthew 28, let's go there. I'm looking for my reader. Matthew 28, verse 19. Marie, thank you for volunteering. <laughs> verse 19 and 20. I hope you guys are memorizing your memory scriptures for first principles. Yes? Who can tell me what they are? And? Okay, awesome. Marie, please read for us Matthew 28, 19 and 20. And it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen. Guys, do you want God to be with you surely till the very end of the age? You've become a disciple. That's a huge first step in getting into the light. Now you get to grow as a disciple, mature as a disciple, move forward from elementary teachings, drive those roots deeper, solidify, multiply, anchor yourself emotionally by anchoring yourself mentally in the truth, right? And then we will multiply, right? As, as we do so, the Bible says, teaching each other to obey everything. 
I'm almost 30 years as a disciple. I know not that much. I hope you have the same attitude and have your learner's mindset on when you come into a conversation. We are never too old to learn, guys. We're never too smart or scripturally wise to continue to learn and grow. So let's have that attitude towards each other, right? Let's make our times of discipling partnerships special. Three practicals in, in discipling. Pray for each other every day. Have a goal to connect every day. Get with each other once a week at least, whether you're having fun time, Bible time, prayer time, serving time, sharpen each other with the word, okay? That's what discipling is, practicing the one another and each other's scriptures of the Bible. Are we unified and on board, my friends? Okay? Life happens. Sometimes you go out of town. Sometimes you get sick. Sometimes. So don't get legalistic in this goal, okay, in this loose structure. But without a plan, we plan to? Okay. Amen. So discipling is a command and not optional. Number four, a central leadership with a central leader. A lot of churches are autonomous. And what does that mean? The pastor of the church rules the whole church, and he builds his little kingdom. And he's not held accountable. And we know the scandals that have happened in so many groups because of this pride trip, okay? It's called autonomy. And it's not biblically sound. God shows us in the first in, in, in Acts and through the New Testament, how all the churches in the movement were connected, right? And I'm so excited that we have our awesome Good News Network yeah. videos. Yeah. So buckle up because tomorrow we have the next awesome GNN. And guys, when you remember what's going on around the world, it blows your mind. It increases your faith, right? You guys have access to any of those GNN videos on YouTube. Just type in GNN uh, and you'll see any one of those. You can revisit and remind yourself what God is not only doing here locally, but in the world, okay? I'm so proud of the Orlando Church because we're sending seven of us to India on Monday because we're going to participate in the Indian Missions Conference to bring God the glory and to bring the love and support from Orlando to India. And you guys know there are other conferences that happen through the year. That's why we put the calendar out there. Just to explain to you a mindset, right? That's why we've taken the world and we have our Crown of Thorns project. Diego will post this on the chat and tomorrow we're going to hand out some more ha uh, hard copies. But Crown of World Thorn, hello, blah, 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 blah. Thorn of Crowns, <laughs> which is about the world and evangelizing the world, okay? Here's our plan. Now, what does that mean? There are three phases of this plan. In 2007, Kip and Elena and the world sector leaders, which lead a certain region of the world, right? In order to evangelize the world, not one person's going to do it. So they've selected re uh, world sector leaders. Who are our world sector leaders here in Orlando? Matt and Helen Sullivan, who lead the amazing Miami church, right? So we're in the SAGES world sector. For those of you who don't know, SAGES stands for South Asia, the Gulf, and some of the eastern states. So we basically have Orlando, Atlanta, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and then we have the Gulf, okay? You know that 
Deborah and Isaac Gonzalez, who's Monse's daughter and son-in-law, just went and baptized 21 more people in Cuba. We have a Havana International Christian Church, right? Uh, we have 10 churches in Haiti and counting. We've got so many more islands to get. We got Puerto Rico to get. We've got St. Croix. We've got Jamaica. We've got et cetera, et cetera, okay? Our work is not done. And then we also have South Asia, Asia, which includes Afghanistan. I mean, which includes all of India. And currently, New Delhi is our sort of pillar church in that area. And that's where Luke and Brandon, who are GNN anchors, they left New York, the, the luxuries of America, and took their whole family to a third world country and are now becoming Indian American, okay? <laughs> And let me tell you, that is no easy feat, especially when you got Luke, the white guy, and Brandon, the half black and white person. And uh, they have a son, Malik, who's like seven feet, and he is black. And it's just, they got Jordan, who's white, and he's like seven feet. And <laughs> Indians are about this big. So God is working, and they're leading the way. But if we don't work together as a whole kingdom, we will never get this job done to evangelize the world, right? So um, we're sending seven on Monday, and we're going to New Delhi to participate in the missions conference. So I want you to think, missions conference sages oversees the, the, the um, Gulf? Yeah, but what do we call that again? Um, no, Caribbean. Thank you. So the Caribbean, right, because we're going to have a Caribbean conference, and we're in South Asia. So those are our major focuses, okay? So you can go to any conference you like, but please try to prioritize these two because that's where we're pouring our money, our missions is going to go into that, and that's where we're trying to send more disciples, okay? So just, just to help each other think so we're all on the same plan. However, you get to go and do whatever you want, providing you stay in the light, and that, that too is a choice, okay? So it's all optional, amen? But listen to this, guys. In, in only a short time, we have, we have Operation Eagle, which is our plan for the U.S. We are now in 37 states. Yes, we only have 13 to go. And the plan is by spring of 2024 to have evangelized every state in the U.S. Is that incredible? And then we are in, let me see, you know, when you have need glasses, you've got to do this. Uh, we have planted 41 nations. We have remnant groups in 16 of those. And we have 86 nations around the globe that still do not have a group of sold out disciples. So... Is discipling a command? Yes. Can we evangelize the world without us being close and evangelistic and fruitful and being willing to participate in worldwide evangelism? Right? So a central leader with a central leadership is essential. And I'm going to give you some scriptures to go home and read. Numbers 27, 12 through 23. Exodus 18, we read about... We read about Moses, we read about Abraham, we read about Joseph, we read about Joshua, jo Judges 21. I will send this PDF on the, um, on the app too so you can have this and save it so that you can know these five core convictions, okay? But basically you see all through the Bible, including in the New Testament, Paul was the lead evangelist. He was the central leader for the movement of churches, 
right? So when people fight against this type of unity, are they fighting against God? Yes, because it is biblical, guys. And so pray for the leaders. Pray for Kip and Elena. They are our world missions evangelist and women's ministry leader. Pray for Matt and Helen. They are our world sector leaders. And then the other sector leaders are amazing too. Pray for the churches. That's why you have this. And you'll have this in your hand tomorrow and you'll have a PDF. Pray through these churches and the church plantings. The ones in green have been planted. The ones in purple are remnant groups to which we are sending a mission team. And how exciting that Daytona Beach was only a remnant group and now Common and Martins and the De Leons and Zena and O'Day, now very own, are now in the Daytona Mission Team Church. And Melanie is reconnecting with them. And we're so proud of you, Melanie. We really love you. So do you see, guys, how every one of us has family members that are scattered around the world or the country? Don't you want them to have access to this? And then what about those people you don't know? What about the grandma in Sao Paulo, the grandpa in China, and the cousin in Samoa. Everybody needs hope. Everybody needs to hear the good news. And we get to be that vehicle through which this good news is preached. Is that flat awesome or what? Yes. And then the fifth point is the dream of the evangelization of the nations in this generation. And we've already read it in Matthew 28. It's also in Acts 1, right? Go and spread the world, the word in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, okay? Our modern-day Jerusalem is L.A. That's the hub of where most of the women's ministry leaders and evangelists are trained, raised up, and sent out. Carla and, and J.D. DeLeon, who are leading Daytona Beach, came from L.A. Chris and I came from L.A. Actually, Chris and I were baptized in L.A. many, many years ago. You know, it's an incredible church. Of course, we're all raising up women's ministry leaders and evangelists, but it is the hub. So that's like the Jerusalem. The Judea and the Samarian, Samaria of the modern day is the U.S. and Canada, right? We're a first world country. We get to raise missions. We have the accessibility to raise money. Guys, in India, you can't go down to the plasma place and get $100 for giving your plasma. No can do. Nobody's handing out $100. Those people don't even see $100 in six months, okay? So we have the ability to do that. So we get to be the Judea and the Samaria. And then the ends of the earth is still the ends of the earth, right? That we get to get to and that we get to participate in. So my sister friends, the dream to evangelize the world is God's dream. And as a result, because Jesus leads the church and we comprise the church, it gets to be our dream too. So let's be ready to be the workers to see the miracles that God wants to do in our lives and in those that are our hearers in 2023. And to God be all the glory. Amen. Okay, awesome sisters. Now we get the privilege to hear three short 15-minute charges from our incredible region leaders. And I, they are preaching on miraculous faith, miraculous hope, and miraculous love. I give to you the East Region Leader, India Phylon. Come on, East Side, let's go. All right, well, as you have heard, my awesome.
awesome charge is miraculous faith. And you know, I'm just so grateful um, to be able to stand up here and share my convictions with you all this year. Um, you know, as we're gonna hear over and over again, because you know, repetition helps us to remember this year's theme movement wide is year of miracles. And so, miraculous faith. And so, you know, this is something we hear all the time, grow in your faith, persevere in your faith, have faith, sis. Um, but deep down, do we really understand what that means? And I know for me, for a while, I really didn't. Um, just to be transparent, I found myself revolving back and forth in my personal faith these past few months. Um, and there's many aspects to faith, right? You know, the first step in Hebrews 11:6 is first to have faith and believe in God right? That's important. That didn't go anywhere. I believe that God was still God, and that's awesome, right? <laughs> that's very important. You know, I know he's righteous, sovereign, and powerful, and a God that worked miracles, right? I would be a fool to look at the world. I mean, look at this awesome view, right? Like, look at the world and, you know, not see him in all of it. But my faith was limited when I applied God's power to my life. And so areas like being personally fruitful, like the power to change, the miracles in my life, that's where I lacked faith. And I allowed myself to stay there for a little too long, right? And so I didn't see those things happening. I look at God work in other people's lives, right? I saw the, the miracles happen. I believed it for them. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. God is awesome. But not for me. That was my mindset. I didn't say it outright, but that was what I was really thinking on the inside. Can anyone relate? Has anybody ever felt that way? And so I really just want to share how I got out of that hole that I placed myself in. And so, you know, I started reading the Bible in the Amplified Version. And a part of me, you know, said I was going to read it in three months. That didn't happen. But I'm reading it. Amen. Um, and so it opened my eyes to a new perspective on faith. And I came across this little nugget in Matthew. So let's go to Matthew 17, but we're going to read it in NIV. Matthew 17 in verse 14 And that reads, I can turn there, there we go. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls to the ground, to the, into the fire and into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. And, you know, just some context before we read any further, Jesus and his three close disciples just came off the mountain, you know, where Jesus was having a casual conversation with Moses and Elijah, you know, something slight who, you know, they died hundreds of years before Jesus was born and just miraculously showed up. It was crazy. Um, that's already pretty awesome, right? And, you know, Peter, James, and John are just watching, and Peter gets hysterical because he just doesn't know what's going on. I mean, would you? Um, and then in the chapter right before this, Jesus reminds the disciples of the miracles they've done together, right? Just, you know, simple things like feeding the 5,000 and feeding the 4,000 because those were two separate occurrences, right? Um, that's pretty miraculous. So, you know, fresh off the heels of all these crazy things, you would think the disciples would be fired up, right? You know, we get a couple of baptisms. We're like, amen, this is great. God is awesome, right? But they were... It wasn't that case. So in verse 17, here the disciples are after all these miracles. And it says they're struggling to perform miracles. Why? 17 says, you believe, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. So it's so weird. 
they weren't able to drive out the demon. And, you know, for us, this seems kind of understandable when we just read this passage. Like, yeah, they're human. I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't done any exorcisms lately. (laughs) You know, like, they were human. How could they drive out demons? But the disciples did cast out demons. You know, in Matthew 10, Jesus sent them out to cast out demons and to heal the sick. And then when they went from town to town, they actually did it. You know, they were doing this. And so why couldn't they cast out this demon when they were just doing it not that long ago? Let's look. In verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? You know, abnormal, why can't we drive out a demon? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so the disciples, um, they lacked the amount of faith needed to cast out this demon. And, you know, I want to ask you, sisters, what demons in your life are you failing to cast out because you lack the faith to do it? Even just a mustard seed of faith can move mountains. Right? And so I'm sure everyone's taking notes, right? So for those with physical notebooks, I want you guys to look at the tip of your pens, you know? Hold up and look at it and share it with a sister who might be taking virtual notes, <laughs> right? And so look at it. See how small it is, right? A mustard seed can sit comfortably on the tip of your pen. That's how small it is. Can you believe only that little bit would move a mountain? And yet it does. And so I just love that Jesus uses the mustard seed because we all see how small it is and we think, I could do that. Just that much faith? Like, that's all I need? That's the point. <laughs> it's supposed to be like that, yeah. right? You can do it, sisters. You can have the mustard seed of faith. The question isn't if you can. It's if you will choose to, yeah. right? And so you don't have to turn there, but in Genesis 15, God told Abraham to look at the sky and count the stars, if you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And then Abraham believed the Lord, right then and there. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And so this is Abraham who gave up everything to follow this dream that God gave him. At 100 years old, he would have a son, which, amen, I can't imagine that. But he chose to believe in God at that moment. And that decision to believe, to have that miraculous faith, is what credited him as righteous. And so I have one point for you. I have one point. Grow your seed of faith into a miraculous tree. Let's go to Luke 13. Grow your seed of faith into a miraculous tree. In Luke 13, starting in verse 18, and it reads, Then Jesus asked, what, asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. And, you know, I was sitting and thinking about having a mustard seed of faith, And it hit me that the whole point of the seed is that it's supposed to grow into a plant. (laughs) Right? Like, it hit me randomly. I was like, wait, it's supposed to grow. (laughs) You know? And, like, let's look at the pins again. Let's pull the pins back out, right? Come on, Brianna, look at the pins, right? Now, look around this room. Imagine that little speck growing into a tree that fills this entire room. That's what a mustard tree, like, it's pretty big. It grows that big, right? 
And that's what our faith is supposed to do. I remember I was in my quiet time and I was like, mm, I've been slacking. <laughs> right? And so my question is, what are you doing to grow your faith today? And so, like I said, when I realized this, I was mind blown because I don't know about you, but I was settling for the seed, you know. A part of me was like, the seed is a lot. <laughs> like, it's pretty awesome. You can move mountains with the seed. And who doesn't want to move mountains? Like, that's pretty awesome. But guess what? We already had the year of mountain moving faith. We're not in that year anymore. <laughs> that was two years ago. Amen. And so we're in the year of miracles. And I don't know about you, but a tree of faith filling this room, that sounds pretty miraculous. Amen. And so miraculous faith is going to lead us to casting out the demons in our life, whatever that might be. Right. It will lead us to, to use casting out demons in our sister friends' lives also. Right. Because we love them. We want to help them. It will lead us to growing to 200 and more. Amen. You know, I was going to say it's going to help us grow into regions, but we already did that. Amen. So, you know, that's pretty awesome. That too. Right. It will lead us to baptizing our families and our friends' families. Right. It will lead us to evangelizing the world. And so, sisters, what are you doing to grow your faith? And then I have one challenge for you. If you looked at that pen earlier and said that that was the faith that you wanted. I want to challenge you to pick up your Bible and pick up your pen and dig deeper to find and build those miraculous miracles that will build that miraculous faith in your life. Whether that's reading the Bible in a year, reading the Bible in six months, getting radically open with the sister friends around you, whatever that might need to be, confessing your sins. Sister, if, sisters, if there's any sins in your life that are holding you back from God, that is going to steal your faith. And trust me, I know, I know, because I held bitterness in my heart for a while, and it separated me from Sonia. It separated me from the sisters around me, from leading, from all of those things, and I had no idea. I'm like, why am I struggling in my faith? Oh, maybe because I'm bitter. <laughs> and I had to confess and repent. And that's the same thing that we have to do every day. And, you know, one person that I really want to lift up is Mo. So I don't know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but this sister has changed radically within the last few days. Like, it's just been crazy, you know, and that is a sign of miraculous faith. When we get open, when we are free from our sin, we have miraculous faith. And so that's my challenge, sisters. Figure out whatever it is that's keeping you at the seed and grow it into a tree that fills this room so that you can have a year of miracles. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, India. Guess who's next? Our sister friend, Amy Goins. Miraculous Hope. Awesome. <laughs> wow, that was amazing, India. Like, woo. That was awesome. So um, first, before I start, I just want to say thank you to everybody who has really just been here. And that's everybody, like, reaching out to me and being part of my life. And it's just been a really just traumatic time for Chaz and I, and I'm just so grateful to have you girls, so thank you. Um, but let's move on. So let's um, talk about Miraculous Hope. It's kind of like a great subject for me right now, so um, I just want to thank you for allowing me to speak today um, and stand before you and God and talk about this great subject, um, because during this time um, is when I really lost faith and I really lost hope. 
and I really did lose love. Not only myself, in my husband, but in God. Um, I have three points for you today. The first one is to suffer with Christ, persevere faithfully, and look beyond this life. So um, I'm just going to turn to the Bible, 2 Corinthians um, 4, 16 through 18, and I'm going to read the NLT. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us glory that's vast, that vastly overweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze or our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things, will c the, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So my first point is to suffer with Christ. Um, I was suffering. I was not hopeful. I was bitter. I was angry. The things that I thought of during this time was that I lost my dad at a young age. I lost an ex-husband for whatever reasons. Good or bad doesn't matter. And now I might be losing my husband. And I don't know that still to this day. I don't know what his state is. As of right now, he's in a healthy state, but we still don't know. So the first thing I confessed to a sister, and I don't even remember who, because I've talked to so many of you, was that, I think I'm cursed. I think God just cursed me and just made me this person that if anybody walks into my life, they just flee. And I was sinning against God. I was going into anger and anxiety and frustration and bitterness. And not only was I bitter towards myself and, uh, and, and unforgiving, I was bitter towards my husband. Even when we had like um, a little bit of quarrels while he was in the hospital, trying not to do that, but you still do. Um, thinking like, well, he sinned against me this, and I can lay name this, this. And then I'm just like, all my thoughts go, well, I don't even care. You know, I'm just going to go home and take care of my girls. And then guess what? My girls got sick. My girls have double ear infections, have stuffy noses, and I'm sitting here not only just going from a hospital, but then going to, you know, um, home and then to doctor's appointments. And I don't even think I had time for even myself, which in all actuality, the point of this is how selfish am I, as my husband and my children are sick, that I'm here sinning against God. And that's what separated me from him. And then I had to go back to the cross, remembering what Christ endured and what he suffered. And that he died for me, for me to live and to always come back to him. Because even though, like, you go through trials, you don't know what's going to happen in your life, no matter if it's a big or small trial. You have to remember what God has done for you yes. and for all of us. Yes. Come on, Jesus. So I ask you, what do you put your hope in? My second point, persevere faithfully. The first thing I thought of, because I always think of the scripture, is James 1, 2-3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So all I could think about is, like, I'm a disciple, right? I got saved. 
And thank you for that. Thank you for Jesus. And I have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit, which gives you the hope to come back to him and do the right thing. So what is the right thing? Social media, going in there and just like zoning out, binge watching, doing things that just you think make you happy. But that's not, I did do that in the beginning of all this. I could just go on social media, look at what everybody's doing, kind of zoning out. I didn't want to go to the Bible. I didn't want to face God. Like, I didn't want to be like, oh, my husband's going through this. Because it was like you start to numb out after a while. When you go through trials and you've been disappointed in the past, it's still the past and it's still embedded in you. And that's where the renewing of the mind comes in. But in part of that, sorry, my my phone went out. But where that 2 Corinthians was talking about. Um, However, it's getting into the word. That's what I had to go back into, those deep, quiet times, really feeling convicted from God, that deep prayer, and knowing how prayer really affects you and how much, like, you had to get on your knees and how I wasn't on my knees. I remember that my husband, when we came home from the hospital the first time, my husband got really sick towards the end, right before I took him back to the hospital, to ORMC, where he is today. And he looked at me, and he said, after vomiting in the toilet for probably 20 minutes, and said to me, all I could think about is I haven't even been on this long, been on my knees this long to praise God. And that is what I thought of when he said that too. I was just like, wow, I've never, because I got sick the night after from something, probably something I ate, and I went and threw up, and I thought to myself what my husband did. I've never even been on my knees, not even in a while, to just praise God and thank him for all the things that I have. Um. My third point. So, oh, wait. So what is your hope in? <laughs> now it's my third point. Look beyond this life. So Colossians 3.1 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So I ask you, ladies, what do you have to look for? Look beyond self, right? You got to look, look at yourself. Like there's, you got to look beyond that. Look beyond your troubles. Look beyond your worries, your fears, your anxieties, and anything that comes your way. Look, look beyond impurity and sinning and all the things that Galatians say because that's not even what matters. This life is so short. So when you go back to that scripture in um, 2 uh, Corinthians, it says in verse eight, eight, uh, 18, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. So what cannot be seen is our gift to heaven from God, right? As long as we stay stay truthful to him. So look beyond self. Look beyond troubles. Look beyond worries. Look beyond fears. Look beyond anxiety. And put your hope in Jesus. Put your hope in the Bible. Put your hope in the word. I want to leave you with one last scripture. I wish I could be more prepared and tell you that I can give you more. But but, um, Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So my hope for you, ladies, is to overflow with confident hope when you're feeling low. And no matter what trials you go through, that you feel that. And to God be all the glory. What's my excuse? And 
to finish us out, awesome, powerful South Region leader, Janice. All right, thank you so much, Amy, for sharing your hearts and being open about your pain and your struggle. Kind of sad you went before me, now you're making me cry, so <laughs> that's not a good thing. Um, so anyway, my topic today, thank you for letting me speak and hopefully I can get this out in an <coughs> organized manner, but let's, uh, my topic is um, miraculous love. <laughs> so let's turn your Bibles to, let's, <coughs> sorry, just a moment, let me get my thing here together. Mark 12, verse 28 to 31. And I'm going to read verse 28 to 29. And if, sisters, if all of you together could just read the last two verses, to verse 30 and 31. All right, so <coughs> are you all there? Yeah. All right, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O sisters of the kingdom of God. <laughs> the Lord or God, the Lord is one. And sisters, please read. Amen. Thank you. Amen. So <clears throat> let's first talk about miraculous love for each other. All right. So what does that look like? How do you experience it? All right. So miraculous love for your sister is when you have a deep godly love for her. All right. A kind, forgiving patient, persevering, hope-filled, enduring, eternal love, okay? It is even more miraculous when you have this love for someone who probably hasn't given you their hearts yet, from someone who is young spiritually, don't know how to love, people who have their walls up, and sisters who are not really giving you their heart or choosing to love you, right? It is even more special when you ch choose to love someone like this and they, in turn, at some point, give their hearts to you as well. And that makes it even more beautiful. But that is for God's glory, amen? We're not loving a person first because of what they can do for us or give back to us. All right, God fills us, and then as he fills us, we give yes. and love as he loved us, okay? And <clears throat> that's when you're growing spiritually. So let me not look away, I'm all scared. <laughs> all right, miraculous love is not just hanging out to just have fun with the sisters you have in, uh, things in common with. All right, it's not a social club. God's kingdom is not a social, that's fine to have fun together, 
but it's not a social club. It should be sisters first, right? So you will not experience miraculous love and you will not experience much spiritual growth if that's what you're in the kingdom for, okay? If you're constantly having relationship issues or conflicts, um, then you still have a lot of growing to do. Still, there needs to be a lot of transformation in your character to become more like Christ so that you can have a peaceful, loving relationship with your sisters. And then that's when you're going to experience many miracles and victories, miraculous love um, for your sisters. So just getting along with a lot of people doesn't necessarily mean that you're loving the way God loves. Right? So it's a lot deeper than that. All right. So where do you start? How do you get there? First, you want to start with the sisters that God has put in your life. Okay, we, it's not up to us to just pick and choose. Whoever God surrounds you with, choose and decide to give your heart right there. <laughs> so that means <clears throat> the person who is discipling you, the person you are discipling, your leaders, your Bible talk leaders, the sisters in your Bible talk. All right, so give your heart and give it completely. You know, um, trust your leaders and choose to respect them and tr- choose to and pray for them and help and support them. Amen. Treat your leaders with the same respect and love that you would love to be treated with. Okay? We are a team. We're working together. All right, so some practicals on how you grow to experience miraculous love for your sisters. And I went through my experience for over the past uh, what, 30 years or so, right? I have 10 things that I wrote down, all right? So um, it's not points, it's just practicals, all right? So choose to love first and to love them as Jesus loves you. The second one, choose to love with all of your heart, even when you feel resistance, even when you feel rejection, right? It's the pagans can love those who love them or love those who are like them. But can you love those who are not like you? Can you love those who are rejecting you? Because you're in a kingdom of sinners, right? They're baby Christians in here starting out, not knowing how to love. They're wounded and injured from the world. And we're still getting over all those wounds. We will never get over all those wounds, but it's so important that we continue to grow strong in learning how to love like Christ and not be needy. Okay, that's how you grow up in your salvation. If they have a wall up, you still love, right? They may not be able to receive your love, but you can still choose to love and prayerfully and you should always be praying for the people you disciple right pray about how to love them pray about what they need from you and as you're praying about that a lot of when you're in a discipling relationship and you're discipling someone that's for you 
because you can't make anyone else change, yeah. right? You can only impact them through your love. Hopefully, you impact them through your love. And even if they don't receive it, even if they can't respond to it, at some point, even when you're out of their lives, you know, for a period of time, they will remember, yeah. right? Because God is always working, Amen. okay? So don't stop giving your heart, sisters. One of my theme scriptures, and I've shared this with everybody I've discipled, you know, in Hebrews, my righteous one will live by faith. If you shrink back, I will not be pleased with you. And every single time I feel like shrinking back, that scripture pops right back up in my mind. And I'm like, I can't, that's the spirit. So how can I ignore it? So God will not be pleased with me if I shrink back, if I hold my heart back. Do not pull your hearts away because you're hurt. Let God meet your needs as you keep giving. Okay. All right, and, you know, I've been in so many relationships where, you know, even starting out, people have their antennas up, like, what to expect, what's going to happen, <laughs> will I get along, you know, whatever it is, you can see the antennas up, yeah. right, the curiosity, but, you know, and they just may not know how to give their hearts quickly, that's fine, you love, you choose to love, if you're a leader in God's kingdom, you should be at a level of giving, knowing how to give your heart quickly. Yes. If you're a Bible talk leader, you should know how to give your heart quickly to every single person in your Bible talk and love them. You will, okay, that was a long one. That was two, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I know I probably lost you guys. Three, I probably mixed up some points in that, but <laughs> three, you will choose to put in the work. You know, it's, the, there's, you know, false religion is about dis distorting the truth, right? And they talk about in false religions that you do not need to work for your salvation. That's a version of the truth. And that's what Satan wants people to believe so that you can stay in your sin, not change, not grow not have any impact, there's no power, no godliness in your life, all right? We have to put in the work. Yeah. There are times you go in a relationship, starting out in a discipling relationship, and you're like, you're going to have to put in some work, right? It's not gonna all be easy, we're not all the same. God made us very different, and he calls different people out of the world from different backgrounds, and put us here together and say, love each other. Okay, so you put in the work, and the work is in yourself, mostly, yes. right? If you're cowardly and you don't want to speak up, and you're, you, you see there are deep issues that you should be talking to the sister about, and you don't want to talk to them about, you know, what are you doing for them for their salvation? Come on. We cannot be cowards. And I started out as a coward. I started out as a conflict avoider, not wanting to you know, address things. But you have to depend on God to help you to change and to love like he loves. Yes. Right? So you can help your sister get to heaven. Or I pray for them. That's good. All right, four. 
choose to persevere and continue to love even when it's hard. I know I mixed that up in some of my other things, but persevere and continue to love even when it's hard. Even when you're wronged. Even when you're hurt repeatedly. All right, I made a decision a long time ago to never withdraw my heart. Never, no matter how hard, no matter how much it hurts, keep loving, keep forgiving, okay? Because you're only hurting yourself. When you withdraw your heart from someone, you will immediately feel, feel it in your relationship with God. Immediately. All right, it's going to hurt your heart. It's going to hurt your relationship with God. Is going to hurt um, the sister, yeah. okay? So don't make that sinful choice to withdraw your heart. Five, choose to trust God. Uh, choose to trust God to protect your heart, and that's because we will get hurt. We are human, okay? But when you choose to trust God, then you stop controlling yeah. and choosing. I'm going to withdraw, because we withdraw our hearts because we want to protect ourselves, yeah. all right? But if you choose to continue to obey God and keep loving, then God miraculously somehow protects you. Yeah. And then your conscience is clear. Yeah. And love comes from a pure heart, yeah. a good conscience, and sincere faith, yeah. okay? Awesome. All right, so choose to obey God. Not yourself and your own self-will or your emotions. Yeah. Obey God. He knows. Yeah. He knows. All right. Six. Trust God to produce the result of you choosing to love. We want to control so much that we want to see people change when we want to see them change. And we become impatient. We complain about people. Wow. All of that. That's ungodly. The results is God's business, yeah. <laughs> right? What he's going to produce in them is his business. Amen. You choose to love, Come sisters. Awesome. Okay. Seven, choose to be patient. All the things that 1 Corinthians 4 through 7 says, right? Choose to be patient. Don't complain. Don't complain. Don't want to, don't say, you know, I need to disciple someone else. She needs to go to somebody. No, you wait until God says, okay, time to go, right? Don't complain. Accept where they are. Accept what they're able to do, what they're able to give. I live with a husband who grew up with a single mom, and she wasn't, the most affectionate person and he didn't know his dad because she never wanted to tell him about him so she just told him he's dead right but he knew he always knew that his that wasn't true so my husband is not the most affectionate person or considerate to me or anything of that um you know he can be well basically there are a lot of times i feel hurt in the relationship but I have to understand he's only able to love where he's at, right. how he knows how to love. Yeah. And so it made me think of the scripture, make up in yourself what is lacking. Right? I have to love more because he's unable to. 
love me the way that God would want him to love me. All right, so we do that for each other as well. Eight, you will not um, choose to not get easily offended. All right, trust God with the timing of knowing when to speak, to teach, to train with love. So basically, you will feel a lot of things or initial responses a lot of times is being ruled by the flesh or initial, you know, that thing that rises up in you quickly that you want to speak and act, right? That's usually the flesh. So you have to wait and wait on God. Calm that monster inside of you because the sinful flesh will always be there. Just like Paul says in Romans 7, verse 24, somewhere around there, you know, that when he wants to do good, what's right there beside him? Evil is right there with him. And he's all, you know, why do we need to hate what God hates and love what God loves? Because it it wars against our soul. Sin wars against our soul. Right? And so... Trust God, work with God, don't work against them, don't give in to your flesh, speak when he tells you it's time to speak, okay? Um, Nine, you will choose to consider, I'm sorry, choose to consider their needs above their own, above your own, okay? You can explore that more for yourselves and see what that means. Consider their needs above your own, their feelings. All right. For example, if someone's letting you know that something hurt them, right, and you're probably thinking, well, you did this and this and this. At the time they're telling you what you did to hurt them, that's not a time to defend yourself. Okay. So listen and pray for humility. Because at that point when you're doing that, that may be, that's so much what they may need at that time. That may be that moment that really connects their heart to yours yes. and bond you. Okay? So be wise, sisters. Don't let the flesh rule you. Okay? Listen. Be humble because there's always some truth. So take responsibility for where you can. Be humble. Okay? And 10. Choose to be sacrificial and do what it takes to demonstrate your love for others. It may not be the most convenient thing for you, but if it will help someone else feel loved, then do it. Sacrifice, okay? All right, so those are some things for being able to experience miraculous love for sisters. But without the foundation of miraculous love for God, you will never experience that. So let's talk about the miraculous love we have for God. Amen? How do you get that? How's your relationship with God? Are you excited to meet with God? You look forward to being in your word and in the quiet, doing your quiet times and praying. Do you know how much you need him? Do you depend on him? Do you cry out to him with loud cries and tears like Jesus did when he was on earth? 
if you're not at that place, then you're probably not experiencing miraculous love with God. So, to experience miraculous love with God, you think about the scripture we first read. Love the Lord God with all your hearts. Your heart is deceitful above all things. Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10. Genesis 6, 5 says, every inclination of the heart is only evil all the time. You're taught not to talk in absolutes. God is talking in absolutes here. Is he lying? All right. Do you see that? If you're examining yourself, do you see that your heart is evil? All the time. Only. So if you think you're a good person, if you struggle with self-righteousness, if you struggle with um, bitterness, unforgiveness, being unmerciful, I, I plead with you, examine your heart. Because if you know how much you're forgiven... It will be easier for yes. you to forgive. Yes. We need to be merciful. Yes. Deal with your hearts. Okay? Let God fill you up. Let God shine that light inside of you and expose what lies in the darkness, what controls you, what deceives you. Because if you're deceived, then your words are deceived and your actions are deceived. And then all you're doing become like filthy rags. All your righteous acts, because it's coming from a deceived heart. Why are you doing it? Okay. David cries out, Psalm 51 is great. Read that. I hope you're writing down the scriptures I'm referring to really fast. Psalm 51, talks, David talks about his sin. And he realizes need for God. Verse 7, he said, created me a pure heart, O God. I pray that a lot for myself because I know how dirty, filthy, polluted, corrupted, evil, wicked my heart is. You have to pray for a pure heart. And when you're doing that, then you're loving God with all your heart. How do you love God with all your soul? Okay, what is your soul? Every single person has a soul. Do you know how important your soul is? You can't see it like we can't see God. Maybe that's why we ignore it so much. Your soul is more important than your physical body that you put so much time and effort and money into. It is more important. This physical body goes back to dust. As amazing and complicated as it is, it goes back to the dust. Your soul, which you cannot see, that you're not, you, you neglect, is eternal. It is from God and is eternal. Everything we're doing is for our soul. So when we're not obeying God and the way he's telling us to live, we're not taking care of our soul. I truly believe personally that a lot of our emotional problems and mental problems and come from the soul knowing it needs God and we're giving it other things that it doesn't need and it's not satisfied. It can't fill the soul. It came from God. It may fill your flesh temporarily, but your soul doesn't need that. It doesn't want that. And it's crying out in ways of depression and feeling emotional and anger and all these things because it wants God. Yeah. It wants God. Yeah. Only God can fill your soul. Yeah. And if you're going to masturbation, if you're going to sex, if you're going to immorality, if you're going to impurity, 
idolatry. You're hurting your soul because you're going to false gods. Drugs, alcohol, overeating. You're going to false gods. And your soul is getting worse. Why do you think Jesus calls himself the bread of life? Why do you think he calls himself the living water? Just like your body needs food. Just like your body needs water. Your soul needs God. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. And you're not spending time with God? Your soul needs it. Make it happen. Cry out to God. Make it happen, sisters. That's your soul. It's going to spend eternity somewhere. Where is it going to spend eternity? Because of your lazy actions, not wanting to spend the time in the word and make the effort to journal and reflect. Look at David. Look at all the Psalms. David reflects. He examines. He questions. Look at Job. God gives us so much example. Why are we not wanting to do the work? It takes work, but it's worth it. I experienced sisters have miraculous relationships. Taylor, she started out as a baby Christian, curious, but she's two years later fired up in a miraculous loving relationship with a God she cannot see. And you see it in her life because she's excited. She wants to talk about what she's learning. Nancy. She now has a miraculous relationship with God. She's always going, make the effort to go straight to her park after work to spend that time. She, because she knows she needs him because her heart is wicked and she can't change it on her own. And she cries out to him. And you only when you're working on the miracle. The miraculous love for God will you experience miraculous love. How can you love a person like that? Miraculous, if you're not loving God like that. It will be shallow, right? Miraculous love comes from loving God with all your mind. You have to put in the work. You have to put in the time. You have to try to seek to understand Right? How you perceive the world and how you perceive what's going on inside of you happens in the mind. Yeah. Right? And if your heart is deceitful, then your perception is probably really wrong. Yeah. So you got to work on all of these. Who, what, who does your mind belong to, Satan or God? You're not having your quiet times? <laughs> what? Your mind needs God. Yeah. You need to transform this thing. What has it been learning all these years? What, what deep core, deep-rooted thought patterns control your mind and your thoughts that make you choose so easily? Give up, give into my flesh, get angry, be defensive, not whatever, right? What's controlling that? What thoughts do you have throughout your day? Are they godly? Work on your thoughts, Roman 8, 5 through 8. You can write that down. 
And that's something Sonia refers to all the time. And finally, love God with all your strength. It takes work. Our souls, God wants us to be strong emotionally, mentally, physically. And I'm telling you, in the world, I was none of those. There's a scripture that talks about, you know, 1 Corinthians 1, 27, 31. He chose the weak things of this world. He chose me. I was weak, emotionally, physically, mentally. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27. I beat my body and make it my slave. What do you give into that makes you weak? How quickly do you decide not to come to church? Because of a headache? Because of your period cramps? Because of a little pain and ache here or there? Because you're emotionally disturbed because something happened in your day? And you decide not to come to church? You are the church. Amen. I just had to say that because it's funny. <laughs> so we need you. And you need to be here, right? Because as you come, you'll get stronger in all those areas. God wants you to be strong. We have to be strong, sisters. God makes you strong. He died to make you strong emotionally, mentally, physically. All right? So put in the work. Paul, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 to 30, Paul struggled, but he kept being a servant, working hard. We haven't gone through any of those struggles that Paul has gone through, okay? Beating your body, making it your slave, to God be the glory. Okay. I'm not like Sonia. All right, let's stand up, sisters, and give a round of applause for our sisters. Come on. Shake up those cobwebs. Wasn't it awesome? Wasn't this an awesome winter workshop? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, they gave their hearts. They really poured it out. India talked about what demons am I trying to cast out? And my question for you ladies is what demons are you guys trying to cast out without God? Because it could only be done with God. Prayer and fasting, right? So that's a big deal. Amy. Look beyond this life. I got to look beyond this life, you guys, you know, and that just ties it into everything that's going on that just goes, you know, how our life just goes. And all we can see is our life, but we got to look beyond it, you know. And then Janice, we are sisters first. We're not friends. We're sisters first, right? Family. Choose to love and wash your soul. I put wash my soul. I need to wash my soul. You know, like if what she preached about is not convicting, I don't know where you've been. Okay, because I feel like I need to go and get on my knees after this and pray for an hour to two hours to three hours. That's how I feel right now because I know that I haven't been washing my precious soul. Like this is what's going to be with me for eternity. And I want it to be with God. Right? I don't want it to die in the, the, the death, you know, the everlasting death of horribleness. Just think, I mean, it's so overwhelming to think of it. It's just, that's really bad. And I don't want to go there. And I know you guys don't want to either, right? So please, do not just take what these women preached about and write in your little notebook or put it on your computer and say thank you. Go home, study it out, put it into practice, you guys, because we need this as sisters. 
And I love you guys. I'm glad you guys are all here. If somebody wasn't here, please share your notes with them. Anybody you disciple who didn't show up, share your notes with them. And just really, let's make a change. Let this be the year of miracles. Yeah.